This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. Today is December 21st, and you are listening to the College Football Daily Bowl Preview Series. I'm your producer, Tani Levitt, and we have seven bowls to preview today, so buckle up. First up is your regular host, Connor Tapp, previewing the Celebration Bowl between Alcorn State and North Carolina A&T, and then the New Mexico Bowl between Central Michigan and San Diego State. The Celebration Bowl is perhaps the most unusual bowl game that college football has to offer. The first thing that's different about the Celebration Bowl is that it's the only bowl with tie-ins from football championship subdivision conferences, in this case the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference and the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Both of these conferences are composed entirely of HBCUs and neither participate in the FCS playoffs. So, even though the best teams from the SWAC and MEAC are often worthy of a spot in the field of 32, it's the Celebration Bowl that serves as the culmination of their seasons. These two conferences view this game as an opportunity to be in the national spotlight and receive comparable media treatment to what teams competing in an FBS Bowl would receive. And normally, bowl payout money amounts to a little more than a rounding error for Power 5 athletic departments, but the $2 million combined payout here makes a big difference to a group of schools that is chronically underfunded. For this year's Celebration Bowl, it's North Carolina A&T representing the MEAC and Alcorn State representing the SWAC. A&T actually finished as runners-up in the MEAC, but Florida A&M, who finished with the best record among all HBCU schools, is facing a postseason ban. Florida A&M's misfortune, however, means A&T has a chance to claim four of the past five Celebration Bowl titles and three in a row. On the other side, it's SWAC champions Alcorn State, who will be looking for their first Celebration Bowl win and their third appearance, having been on the business end of North Carolina A&T victories in 2015 and 2017. A&T is favored by two and a half points to pull off the three-peat in this one. Tune in to ABC at 11 a.m. Central on December 21st to see if the Aggies can pull it off. One last note here, the marching bands are always a big draw with the Celebration Bowl, and North Carolina A&T's band in particular is recognized as one of the strongest HBCU marching bands at the moment. They're currently number four in the undefeated's power rankings. So let's ride out into the next bowl preview with a clip of the Blue and Gold Marching Machine playing I Got Five on it at the 2019 Battle of the Bands. The New Mexico Bowl is one of my favorite bowls for one simple reason. It doesn't have some insane tongue twister of a title sponsor. In fact, since shirtmaker Gildan dropped off the marquee in 2017, the New Mexico Bowl doesn't even have a title sponsor at all. 
And I say bravo, New Mexico Bowl. First of all, I don't like saying the names of title sponsors just as a matter of principle. I don't think a corporation paying a bowl committee millions of dollars should obligate journalists to give that company free advertising. But if you want to advertise on the College Football Daily, my DMs are open. And secondly, it took me about five different takes to correctly get through my Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl without screwing up the name. It seems like the trend in bowl sponsors is for them to be getting more obscure, convoluted, and difficult to say. Thirdly, and finally, I'm not really certain it elevates the prestige of your bowl game to be cycling through a different smoothie chain or big and tall men's outfitter as your title sponsor every couple years. But if you can get a moderately respectable, fast, casual restaurant to stick it out with your bowl game over a period of several decades, then by all means, go for it. But otherwise, have the confidence that the name of your bowl game is good enough on its own without having to slap the title of a discount pottery wholesaler in front of it. So that brings us to Saturday's 1 p.m. Central kickoff between Central Michigan and San Diego State. In noted shark hunter Jim McElwain's first year in Mount Pleasant, the Chippewas have experienced a rather stunning offensive turnaround. According to SP+, CMU was dead last in the FBS in offense last year, but in 2019 they have risen all the way to 77th with a barely perceptible drop-off on the defensive side of the ball. The Chippewas won the Max West Division with an 8-5 overall record, despite being projected to finish dead last by the media in the preseason. On offense, Central Michigan is led by former Tennessee quarterback Quentin Dormady, who had quite a fascinating series of boomer-bust performances this year. Dormady had three games where he averaged more than nine yards per pass attempt, but also had three where he averaged fewer than six yards per pass attempt. CMU's most reliable offensive weapon, though, is its running game. Jonathan Ward and Kobe Lewis combined to rush for more than 2,000 yards this year, both averaging more than 5.5 yards per carry. Plenty to like on the offensive line and the receiving core, too. All told, this offense ended up being one of the most solid units in all of the MAC. On the other sideline, Rocky Long turned in yet another solid season with San Diego State in his ninth season in charge. The Aztecs were contenders to win the Mountain West's West Division all year, but a 14-11 loss to Hawaii on November 23rd locked up the division for the Rainbow Warriors. Unlike their evenly balanced New Mexico Bowl opponent, San Diego State's strengths lie entirely on the defensive side of the ball, where the Aztecs rank 16th in SP+, led by five different players on the Pro Football Focus All-Mountain West first team. Offensively, they're all the way down at 128th in SP+, dead last among Mountain West teams in rushing offense, and next to last in passing offense. San Diego State is favored by 3.5 points in this one, and their defense will be far and away the best unit on the field. But will the more well-rounded Chippewas have the edge? Well, y'all will just have to tune in to find out now, won't you? Thanks, Connor. Next up is Billy Embody with a preview of the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl between SMU and Florida Atlantic. Billy hosts the Pony Stampede podcast, so if you're an SMU fan, that's a must-subscribe. Take it away, Billy. What's going on, guys? My name is Billy Embody from the Pony Stampede podcast, and I'm here to preview the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl between the SMU Mustangs and the Florida Atlantic Owls. For the College Football Daily. So thanks for being here with us. Got a few things for you guys on this bowl matchup. Two 10-win teams facing off in Boca Raton, Florida. The home of FAU, actually. So not too far down the road for the Owls. They'll go playing in their home stadium, FAU Stadium, on their campus. This is a game that right off the bat jumps off 
to me, as a high-scoring affair, you've got Shane Bouchelle, Chris Robeson at quarterback for each team with, with Bouchelle leading the way for SMU and Robeson leading the way for FAU, both high-powered offenses that are coming off two terrific years, both programs uh, certainly in different places right now, though. You've got Sonny Dykes leading SMU into this bowl game in his second season at the helm, whereas FAU just lost Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss in the coaching carousel, and defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer will be taking over for the bowl game. And here's the thing, though. These bowl games where you're, you've got an interim coach on one side of, of things and you know a, a team that's kind of been going through just a season and, and, and is kind of rolling on its own, you never know what's going to happen. FAU, they knew that they were going to lose Lane Kiffin. They came out in the CUSA championship game and absolutely thumped a really good UAB football team. So for me, that, that jumps out to me as a team that can circle the wagons can get everything together, and can certainly win this game. SMU's coming in a little favored, I think three and a half points uh, on Vegas. Uh, has them as the, as the favorite by, and, uh, and rightfully so. It's one of the most explosive, explosive offenses in the entire country with Bouchelle leading the way with wide receiver James Prochet and running back Xavier Jones, kind of the two headliners there, while Reggie Robertson, one of their other explosive receivers this season, has been out really the back half of this season after he had a, a foot injury against Houston that has now sidelined him for the rest of his junior season. He's going to return next year, so if you don't see him on Saturday, you can see him back in an SMU uniform as one of the most explosive wide receivers in all of college football. For FAU, the thing I'm most most interested in seeing is if Mackey Award winner Harrison Bryant is going to end up playing in this game He's one of the, obviously, the best tight end in college football. He's a really, really high draft pick, potentially, in the NFL. He's a 1,000-yard receiver. So, look, he's he's somebody that creates matchup problems, gives Chris Robeson somewhere to go with the ball that he can rely on, and he's going to be missed if he doesn't end up playing in this bowl game. He's going, going pro and, and all of that, so he's got something else to look forward to rather than what really amounts to kind of a meaningless bowl game. He's got the senior bowl coming up. And so if he doesn't play, that's a big difference for, for FAU. But look, with Robeson, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football, passing for almost 3,400 yards and 26 touchdowns on the season. And if Bryant doesn't play, they're going to look to D'Angelo Antoine to certainly uh, make plays. He had a 75-yard touchdown in in the CUSA championship. It's the longest touchdown. It's the longest pass reception ever recorded in the Conference USA uh, championship game. So he made a little bit of history with that as well. Defensively, SMU comes in with one of the best sack men in all of college football, Patrick Nelson. He comes off the edge, kind of in a hybrid linebacker safety role, and he's somebody that just really has has been one of the most disrupted players in the entire country uh, for SMU's defense in, in general. And this is this is a defense that early on in the year pl- was playing really well. They, they held TCU down for, for, for a low-scoring number for the Horned Frogs as SMU upset TCU at, at the time for the first time since 2011. And then kind of on the back half of the season, they ran into some trouble against Houston, against Memphis in their loss, against East Carolina. I mean, that was serious cause for concern. They kind of got things together 
against Navy in a way and made some goal line stands and, and some stands on fourth down. But overall, this defense has really been quite porous in the back half of the year. I think they're right around number 97 nationally in total defense, not somewhere you want to be as a defense by any means. But SMU's offense has picked it up a lot of the season, averaging 43 points a game. So if you want scoring, if you want touchdowns, I think this is the game for you. There's certainly going to be a lot of it in my mind. Vegas has the the over-under set at about 70. I think this can go over for you guys that are that are gambling on this game. I think I like SMU to, to take care of business 41 or 42, 31, somewhere around in there. So just hit the over. Wouldn't surprise me if there's kind of a garbage time touchdown that maybe even uh, gives you a little bit more breathing room on that for either team. When I look at the the two players that have to play well, for me, it is, it is Chris Robeson. If you're without Harrison Bryant on offense for FAU, he's going to have to do some things that really, that really can can take over this game because it's going to be on his shoulders. He's got a, a couple of really good running backs in Malcolm Davidson and James Charles, but in reality, it's going to start and stop with your quarterback because SMU is going to have to put up points, or SMU can put up points, will most likely put up points with Bouchelle and that offense. And on the flip side of things, Patrick Nelson, I mentioned him as being an X-factor, but for me, I'm going to go – with Delonte Scott, the defensive end, who's going to be playing in his final game as an SMU Mustang. He's somebody that has played really well in the back half of the season, always seems to come up with key stops in key moments. I look for him to do that as SMU's defense, I think will give up plenty of yards, but one thing they've done well at times this year is get off the field in critical situations. I think he's going to be key to doing that. So for the college put football uh, daily. I'm Billy Ambody. If you want to hear more about the SMU Mustangs, check me out on the Pony Stampede podcast. We have a couple episodes each week, usually Monday, Thursday. Sometimes it changes during the college football or or college basketball or recruiting period, but that is when you can usually find us Monday and Thursdays on PonyStampede.com. This was the College Football Daily Preview for the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl, and I'm Billy Ambody signing off. Good stuff, Billy. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Your other host, Trey Scott, is next with all you need to know about the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl between Appalachian State and UAB. Who's excited for the New Orleans Bowl? I am. It's number 20, Appalachian State versus UAB in the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Saturday, December 21st at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. This is, yeah, I guess I'm kind of dripping with sarcasm here. 
But it is sort of a compelling matchup when you consider that UAB literally came back from the dead after not playing in 2015 or 2016. Coach Bill Clark has done an incredible job since then. 8-5, and 11-3, 9-4. They won the Conference USA's West Division. Unfortunately for Bill Clark, he was not considered for any of the openings in this most recent, co- uh, most recent coaching carousel. Ole Miss, Arkansas. And they went with totally different commodities than Bill Clark, who is not this you know, flashy Lane Kiffin type hire or this, I don't know. I don't even know what to call the Sam Pittman hired Arkansas, but none of those guys are Bill Clark who is literally, I don't know, football Jesus uh, for UAB fans. Appalachian state on the other hand, just lost first year coach Eli Drinkwitz to Missouri after losing longtime coach Scott Satterfield to Louisville. So the Mountaineers are probably not enjoying that. They have become the new Arkansas state. So we'll see if their next hire gives them a little bit better stability. Uh, regardless, they had a great season, 12-1, and one, number 20 in the college football playoff rankings, won the Sun Belt. Really great job by Drinkwitz. Great foundation laid by Satterfield. This should be a pretty good game. Let's break it down. When Appalachian State's on offense, and they do rank number 32 nationally in yards per play, you're going to want to watch running back Darrington Evans. He led the conference in rushing last year, was second this year with 13-23. I always pronounce that number weird. 1,323 yards rushing, league-leading 17 touchdowns. He was the Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year. In the championship game against Louisiana, he was awesome. He won MVP for two touchdowns receiving, one rushing. He can break a big one at any single time. Stay glued to your couch. You don't want to miss Darrington Evans. Let's see if UAB defensive tackle... Garrett Marino can slow him down. 41 total tackles, 12 and a half for loss, six sacks, five pass breakups, four quarterback hurries, a forced fumble, recovery, and a blocked extra point attempt. Are you kidding me, Garrett Marino? That is an insane stat line for a defensive tackle. UAB's defense is number eight, eight nationally in yards per play allowed. Fantastic unit. That matchup right there, App State's offense versus UAB's defense will decide the New Orleans Bowl. When UAB has the ball, things aren't as good. They're 87th nationally in yards per play. You got to watch the receiver, Austin Watkins Jr., 933 yards, fifth most in UAB history. He's second on the team with five receiving touchdowns. If he has a good game, he could become the third player in program history to go over the 1,000-yard mark for a season. On the other side of the ball for the Mountaineers is an outside linebacker named Akeem Davis-Gaither who was named Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year. 95 tackles, 14 for loss, four and a half sacks, an interception, six pass breakups, six quarterback hurries. So basically he does everything. If you're looking for a pick for this game, you've probably come to the wrong spot. I would send you over to Sportsline. However, I would usually go with Appalachian State, given they, they just have more talent and they are just a better team. They only lost one game all season. But the fact that they've lost their coach now for the second year in a row, who are these guys playing for? What are they playing for? Are they disappointed they're not in the New Year Six? You know, you want to talk about Georgia every year as, oh, well, they're not playing hard because they're not in the playoff. Well, Appalachian State had an argument had they not lost that game to be playing in the Cotton Bowl. So are they bummed out they're in the New Orleans Bowl? Does UAB want to be here more? Does Bill Clark have a chip on his shoulder? Do the pro- players want to prove something for Bill Clark? We'll see. That could determine it. 
Officially, though, when it comes to the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, I'm riding Appalachian State. Thanks, Trey. One thing he didn't mention is that Appalachian State has the best jerseys in college football, in my humble opinion. For that reason alone, App State is a solid choice. The next bowl in this December 21st bowl preview episode is the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl between Boise State and Washington. Here to preview the Chris Peterson Bowl, I mean Las Vegas Bowl, is Chris Fetters from Dogman Radio. Dogman Radio is a must-listen for Huskies fans. Without further ado, the Las Vegas Bowl. Hello, my name is Chris Fetters from Dogman.com, and I'm here to preview the Las Vegas Bowl between the Washington Huskies and the Boise State Broncos for the College Football Daily. It's going to be an interesting matchup, folks. Uh, I think normally when these two teams uh, meet, it's uh, obviously got some natural ties because of the Northwest, but also because of the Chris Peterson component. And obviously that was hugely magnified uh, in the last week or so with the news that Chris Peterson is going to leave Washington after the bowl game and defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake is going to take over for him. So in some ways, if you talk to Chris Peterson about this, this is probably the worst thing that could have happened to him in terms of the matchup. He doesn't want to play Boise State anymore. He doesn't want to hear anything more about Boise State. I'm sure the Boise State fans are probably of two minds. I'm sure they're not thrilled with this idea that they're going to play a Chris Peterson team. Maybe some are. Maybe they just see Washington as a big scalp. They just won the Mountain West Championship over Hawaii, and uh, they're 12-1, and and they're going to be playing a 7-5 and Washington team fresh off an Apple Cup victory over Washington State. So, you know, the matchup should have uh, some intrigue in terms of the national audience. It is going to be a primetime game on uh, on ABC, 7.30 at night on, uh, on the East Coast, which means it's going to be 4.30, in Vegas uh, when the kickoff is. And so that should be interesting, too. It, I'm sure uh, Boise State probably hasn't had a primetime game in a long, long time, and uh, Washington can obviously spin this to their advantage as well in terms of recruiting. It is interesting because the game is being played on the 21st. Uh, there are recruiting implications. Washington's actually sending down their staff to Las Vegas the day before the first day of the early signing period for for football. And so they're going to actually be having kind of their recruiting war room down in Vegas, which is certainly interesting. But it's um, it's not as unusual or as much of a detriment than it was for like Oregon, let's say a couple years ago, who actually had to play the game, the Vegas Bowl, against Boise State during the last recruiting weekend before the early signing period. That was that was a disaster, and and I think that's why you see the the Las Vegas Bowl being played when it is. Right now, in terms of the matchup, I mean, again, 12 and 1 Boise State Mountain West Conference champions just beat Hawaii uh, against a 7 and 5 uh, team in Washington. That's really a Jekyll and Hyde team right now. Don't know who's going to play uh, on the 21st. Is it going to be the Washington that beat up on USC and beat up at beat up BYU at BYU, uh, beat up Arizona on the road, or is it going to be the team that lost to, to California at home, lost to Oregon, lost to Utah at home, lost on the road to Stanford, lost on the road to Colorado? Um, certainly some unexplainable losses in a lot of ways, but also had some decent wins too. And they, uh, they showed that on both sides of the ball, they have what it takes to compete with the rest of the Pac-12 
when they're on their game. But when they're not, they can be pretty bad. And so it's going to be interesting to see which team shows up for Chris Peterson's final game. As far as Washington goes, you know, they've already lost a couple of their big time performers that aren't going to be playing in this game. Hunter Bryant, the junior tight end, is already declared for the NFL draft, so he's not playing. And then the senior left tackle, Trey Adams, has already decided that he's not going to play in this game either. Chris Peterson confirmed that uh, this last Sunday. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to fill those gaps. Jacob Eason, the quarterback, is going to play in this game. And, uh, you know, that's that's huge news for Washington fans. I don't know if they can take it as a hint that Eason may return for one more year, a final year uh, at Motlake, but uh, it's certainly an interesting thing to think about uh, for the Huskies. In terms of Boise State, their offense has is, is really uh, gone through some really interesting times uh, this year. They've gone through three different quarterbacks, started with a true freshman in Hank Backmeyer, who's hurt. Then they went to Chase Cord, who played a couple games. He got a little banged up. Now they're on Jalen Henderson, who helped them win that Mountain West Conference title game against Hawaii, and he's playing very well, kind of a dual-threat type of player. Uh, also, their rushing attack Another true freshman, the actual Mountain West Conference true freshman of the year, George Halani, uh, gained uh, basically just short of 1,000 yards during the season in 13 games. He's going to be their main threat in terms of running the ball. And then receiving the ball, they've got a handful of guys, John Hightower, Khalil Shakir, C.T. Thomas, Achillian Butler, John Bates. They've got a number of guys that they can go to. Uh, when a guy like Jalen Henderson looks to throw the ball. Uh, defensively, they're playing really, really well. Um, they're led by Rimp, uh, what, what Riley Wimpy, uh, the uh, linebacker, middle linebacker. But their defense really kind of revolves around Curtis Weaver on the defensive line. He's got 13 and a half sacks to go with his 18 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, you got uh, Kakoa Nawahine, who's leading the team in interceptions with three. You've got Kakala Kaneo. Uh, you've got uh, Chase Atada on the defensive line. You've got a number of guys that have made an impact for them. For the Huskies, obviously, offensively, it does revolve around a guy like Jacob Eason. They've got another guy in Savon Ahmed who's run the ball. He's exactly at 1,000 yards right now running the ball. He's their main threat. And then receiving, they've got a couple of seniors in Aaron Fuller and Andre Bocelli that have had middling years. They haven't had fantastic years. They've got some younger guys coming through. Terrell Bynum's had uh, some good games recently. He would be a threat. And then without Hunter Bryant at the tight end position, you're looking to Kate Otten as the main receiving threat. And then on defense, they're led by Levi Onzerike up front, first-team All-Pac-12 selection. And then you look at their secondaries full of guys. Elijah Molden also was an All-Pac-12 pick. And then you've got some true freshmen back there, guys like uh, Cameron Williams, Asa Turner, Trent McDuffie. They've got a number of guys back there that the, the Broncos are going to have to uh, they're going to have to contend with. So again, as far as this game being a really really early game in the bowl schedule, December twenty first, it's it's going to be interesting. But it is a primetime game on ABC. A lot of eyeballs are going to want to see this game. Again, a lot of intrigue because it's Chris Peterson's final game with the Washington Huskies playing the team that he left to come to Washington to, Boise State. So obviously there's a lot of intrigue with that storyline and also what's going to happen with the Huskies moving forward with Jimmy Lake, who's going to be the new head coach. Is he going to revamp the offense? What's going to happen there? So a lot of different storylines, a lot of reasons to check in with this particular game. So, and again, 
you know, if you want to hear more about the Washington Huskies, you can check me out on the Dogman podcast. We released episodes on nearly a daily basis. So go ahead and check those out if you can. And this is the College Football Daily Preview for the Las Vegas Bowl. And I'm Chris Fetters, signing off. As our guys Blair Angulo and Brandon Huffman have said on the West of the Rest podcast, the Las Vegas Bowl is huge for West Coast football. Thanks for the preview, Chris. And here to take us home with the final two previews, we have Connor Tapp back in the studio for the Cure Bowl between Liberty and Georgia Southern and the Camellia Bowl between Florida International and Arkansas State. It gives me no particular pleasure to discuss Liberty University and their head coach, Hugh Freeze, but the Flames went 7-5 and five in their first year as full non-provisional members of the FBS, and now they're playing Georgia Southern in the Cure Bowl, so discuss them we must. The most memorable moments of Liberty season actually came in losses at least from a national perspective. The first was 24 to nothing shutout at the hands of Syracuse that Hugh Freeze coached from the press box while reclined in a dentist chair as he recovered from a staph infection. Dino Babers waved to Freeze from the field after the game and Freeze waved back. It was hilarious. The next came when Liberty was actually a road favorite against Rutgers and everyone was looking to see just how low the Scarlet Knights could sink, but interim Rutgers head coach Nunzio Campanelli managed to lead his team to one of the only two wins uh, Rutgers would enjoy all season. Despite those two defeats, though, Liberty managed a 7-3 and record in their other 10 games, so... What are they good at? Well, it might not surprise you to learn that a Hugh Freeze team is pretty adept at moving the football on offense. The Flames ranked 17th in all of FBS in yards per play offense, and where they really try to get you is through the air. Quarterback Stephen Calvert threw the ball more than 30 times in all but three games this season, averaging 8.6 yards per attempt and throwing 26 touchdowns against just five interceptions. Defensively, though, Liberty is vulnerable, particularly against the run, and that's a problem considering who the opponent is in the Cure Bowl on Saturday. Georgia Southern has the 26th most efficient rushing attack in the country, and the worst news for Liberty is Georgia Southern runs the ball a lot. Georgia Southern ranked fifth in the country in rushing attempts per game ranked only behind the service academies in Boston College. The flexbone offense is a way of life at Georgia Southern, and after a failed attempt to shed that identity, the Eagles have gotten back to their triple option roots under Chad Lunsford, going 10-3 and in his first full season and 7-5 and in year two, with uh, two brutal away trips to LSU and Minnesota kind of dragging that record down. The pitch man in the Eagles rushing attack is junior quarterback Shai Wirtz, whose name you might recall as the young man falsely accused of cocaine possession during the offseason. He was pulled over by police who believed a white substance on his car to be cocaine. The media had a big laugh over the fact that Wirtz claimed the substance was actually bird poop. But when they sent the sample down to the crime lab, it turns out, you know what? Is actually bird poop. It's probably a safe bet that you'll see that story relived at some point during the broadcast. It's probably a safe bet that you'll see that story recounted at some point during the broadcast. Georgia Southern's true strength, though, might be on defense. The Eagles are tops in the Sun Belt in yards per rush and a bit more middle of the road against the pass. So, so if Liberty are going to expose Georgia Southern, move the ball on them and limited possessions against a triple option team, probably going to have to do it through the air. The line is Georgia Southern minus five and a half here, and the game kicks off at 1230 Central on CBS Sports Network. 
The Camellia Bowl, played in Montgomery, Alabama, kicks off on December 21st at 4.30 Central, and the sixth installment of this game will be played between FIU and Arkansas State. 2019 was a pretty strange year for Florida International. The Panthers lost every road game on their schedule and went 5-1 and one at home and won the neutral site game they played in their home city of Miami. That was good enough to scrape 6-6 six and six and bowl eligibility. The high moment of FIU season was undoubtedly that neutral site game at Marlins Park, which just so happened to be a win against the Miami Hurricanes. Like a lot of teams that go 6-6 six and six in a group of five conference, though, the Panthers are okay at a lot of things and not great at much, if anything. FIU was sixth in Conference USA in yards per play defense and ninth in yards per play offense. This is FIU's third straight bowl appearance under Butch Davis, who guided the Panthers to nine and eight win seasons in his first two seasons back in Miami. On the other sideline, you've got Arkansas State, guided by six-year head coach Blake Anderson, who was just given the Football Writers Association Courage Award earlier this week. Anderson's wife died on August 19th after a two-year battle with breast cancer. And yet, he found a way to continue on and coach the Red Wolves to a 7-5 and five season. Arkansas State makes its hay on offense, particularly through the air. ASU is tops in the Sun Belt in yards per pass attempt, powered by freshman quarterback Lane Hatcher. This was not Hatcher's job at the start of the year, but junior quarterback Logan Bonner suffered a season-ending thumb injury in the first month of the season. Hatcher doesn't mind taking a risk, and a lot of times it pays off for him. His yards per pass attempt is 9.9, an incredible number for a freshman to be sitting on at the end of his first season. But Hatcher is also a bit interception prone. He's picked off. He's been picked off nine times, which is a lot, at least compared to Bonner, who was only intercepted once in 153 attempts. Arkansas State needs its passing game to work because they're quite one-dimensional, ranking ninth out of ten teams in the Sun Belt at just 3.63 yards per carry. The line on this one is Arkansas State minus three and a half. That's going to do it for today's College Football Daily Bowl Previews. We'll be previewing every single bowl and bringing you regular episodes of the College Football Daily. So if you like what you hear, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give a five-star rating and review. And if you like what you heard from Billy and Chris, be sure to subscribe to them on their regular shows, Pony Stampede and Dogman Radio. Also, if you'd like to pick the bowl games along with us, we have a link to a CBS Sports Bowl Pick'em group in today's show notes. All you need to do is pick the games against the spread, and you could walk away with five grand in cash. It's totally free to enter, and you could be walking away with five stacks. If you're already going through the trouble listening to these bowl previews, why not at least profit off your knowledge? For Billy Embody, Chris Fetters, and our host Trey Scott and Connor Tapp, I'm your producer, Tani Levitt, and we'll see you on Monday with another edition of the College Football Daily Bowl Preview Series. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.